so today we're going to talk about how do I forgive? Because there's a poison and a toxic toxin in our lives that we carry around, and, and it's called unforgiveness. And if you look up unforgiveness in the dictionary, it really doesn't really exist. And I think there's a reason for that. It's because God doesn't want it to exist. We, we should not have unforgiveness in our lives. He, he teaches us throughout his word to forgive. And, and I love prefixes and I love root words. And, and if we look at the prefix on, on, on forgiving, the, the, the prefix is for. And, and if you think about it, it's forgiving. It means I am for something. I am forgiving grace to somebody that doesn't deserve it. I am forgiving somebody a second chance that doesn't deserve it. That's what forgiveness is all about. And how many know that Jesus did that same exact thing for each and every one of us? He forgave us before we ever even sinned. He's the, always the first to gift and to give. And, and so when he asks for my obedience weekly, I'm just really quick to do it because I'm forgiving because I know it's a principle uh, that God teaches us. And, and it's just like the word before. Be means exist. For is in front of something. And, and before God can do something in our life, before, before we can exist where, where we need to lead and where we need to go, we have to have some forgiveness in our lives. And, and I, I love that word before. You know, we, we holler for. It's actually spelled the same way, F-O-R-E. We holler for while we're golfing. Because it's, it's something that's, that's leading. It's something that's coming. It's something out front. And that ball is out front about to bean you in the head. And we're hollering, for! Because something's coming your way. And. The deal is, there's something coming your way, but it can't get to you until you learn how to first give forgiveness. Give grace in everything that you do. Matthew 6, 14. We're going to start out with that verse today. Turn with me, everyone. And Jesus said this, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So in other words, you can't have forgiveness in your life until you first forgive. And forgiveness is directly related to salvation. And it says, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. In other words, God says there's some requirements to this deal. And, and you got to be forgiving grace because I've already given you grace before you ever existed. He said, I did it. In fact, the Word of God says, For God so loved the world that He gave. What did He give us? His only Son. He gave to us first before we He ever required or asked anything for us. He set the presence that I'll do it for you before you ever do it for me. But I need you to do some stuff. Because I want you to live at a higher level. And the deal is God never requires anything from us because he needs it from us. 
He requires it from us because we need it for ourselves. And forgiveness is one of those things that, well, I don't want to forgive, Pastor. And, and you ask, well, how do we give the, forgive the unthinkable? How do we forgive those that have murdered our loved ones? How do we forgive adultery? How do we forgive that man that might have slept with our wife or the woman that might have slept with our husbands? How do we forgive them? How do we forgive sexual abuse? How do we forgive the unthinkable? How do we forgive rape? But you don't understand, that man took, took my innocence. Or how do you forgive theft? Somebody stole everything that you had. Or how do we forgive lying? They've lied against me and smeared my reputation. And they've done this and that. And they've done that. So I want to look to Jesus this morning. And, and he prays the most forgivable prayer ever. In Luke 23, 32. I'll give you a second to turn there. It says, two other men, I love this, both criminals, were also led out with Jesus to be executed. Jesus hung around even on the cross with the criminals and, the, and, and those who didn't deserve forgiveness. And when they came to the place called the skull, which is very interesting if you study things in life, and um, there's many theologians that believe the place of the skull, the, the hill we call Golgotha, uh, we call Calvary. The place of a skull was actually King David's greatest victory. It's where they buried the skull of Goliath. And, and so... King David's greatest victory that, that set up victory for all of the people of Israel would once again be the site for the world's greatest victory that would forgive all men and set them up for all eternity. And so he's there at the place called the skull, and they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other one on his left. Neither one of them deserved forgiveness. Jesus is there walking up with criminals to Golgotha, to the place of a skull, about to face the biggest mountain in his life. We've talked about mountains the last few weeks, and, and I ask you this question, do you realize God created all the mountains? Everybody said, yes. And then we read in his word, we have faith of a mustard seed, we can move the mountain. And I said, have you ever, ever thought that God created the mountains so that, so that they could be moved in your life? And There's mountains we face in our life, and God puts mountains in our life because he's waiting to see if we'll have faith to move them. And, and one of the problems we have in our life is when we, we pray to God through faith, move that mountain, and he hands us a shovel. You ever felt like you were there? So stupid, Lord, I don't want to do this. It's going to take way too long. You know, I want to blink and have my destiny. I want to blink and have my dream. I want to blink and everything be done like it should have been done. And I'm sure Jesus wanted to forego the pain. But there was a process. And anytime you want victory in your life, there's a process to get there. And, and the problem is when he hands us the shovel, it requires work. 
and we don't want to move the mountains in our life. And, and our faith turns into when we keep shoveling and we just keep our head down and we say, God, whatever you tell us to do, I'm going to keep doing it. And we keep our head down, we keep going. Our faith turns into what they call faithfulness. And we just become faithful in what God has entrusted us with, and we just keep shoveling along. And that one day we'll blink, and that mountain will be gone because we were faithful to what God called us to do. But the problem is we don't want to take the time to do the process to get to where God is taking us. And so Jesus faced the mountain, which was all the pain, and he did it with grace, and, and he was faithful to us, and I got a good friend who, um, who passed away a few years ago. Um, he was one of Brother Tommy's best friends. And I used to go places with him and do stuff with him all the time. He was a millionaire in the city of Houston. His name was Virgil Mott and helped fund Lakewood and helped fund a country camp and just knew what it was to fund the kingdom of God. He was forgiving every step of the way in his life and just always happy and laughing. And, and his favorite saying was, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. And, and that's, that's how you, we walk through life. And that's how we become faithful and we shovel. And this forgiveness is a big thing. And we carry, we carry around all the blocks in our life. And we, we take and we, we grab our, our divorce and our, our ex. And we grab, grab the people who cheated on us and lied on us. And we, we grab all that and we're carrying around all this stuff that we shouldn't have to carry along. And we end up creating our own mountain. And we carry it daily. And that's not how God intended us for us to live. And so it's hard to imagine all the pain that Jesus said yes to the mountain. He endured the pain step by step by step. The most awful scene in all of mankind is crucifixion. We picture we picture a cross real high with their feet real far off the ground. But the, the truth was, uh, when they crucified people, their feet were probably just about a foot off the ground. They would raise them up right there, and their, their, their feet were only that far from touching, but they couldn't. There was a spike in between them and the ground, and a spike in his hands. And in order to get a breath, you, you'd be slouched over, and you couldn't breathe because those muscles wouldn't allow you to have oxygen. You'd have to pull up on your spikes and on your nails and on... Your biggest problem at the moment, you'd have to pull up on it, and you'd have to gasp for a breath, and then you'd sink back down again. And, and Jesus is enduring all this pain, one foot off of the ground, with them staring at him in the face and spitting on him and laughing at him and mocking him and treating him like no other human should be treated laughing in his face and lying on him and talking about him and, 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 and doing the, the worst things. And people in crucifixion would normally go mad before they even died because of the pain they were going through. They wouldn't even know who they were, were towards the end. And they could hang there for three or four days. Now we know Jesus died before he hung there three or four days. He was only there for... It, because of the Sabbath and the rules, they went to break the other guy's legs so that they go ahead and die because they had to observe the Sabbath. But Jesus was already dead. and Jesus is hanging there with all the people who have accused him. And he's been, he's been given a criminal's death hanging next to two criminals. But my Jesus prays this prayer in Luke 23. He says, Jesus said, Father, 
Forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus asked forgiveness for something that seems unforgivable. But in the midst of all of his pain, in the midst and in the company of all those that have done him wrong, that have beat him, that have crucified him, while gasping for breath, he takes the time while breathing to utter these words. Father, forgive them. Because he couldn't finish what God had called him to do with unforgiveness. He had to make sure that he was right. And being the perfect man without sin in his life, he wanted everyone to know that without a doubt, he did not hold anything against any man. He did not hold anything against him. Because he couldn't have the cross tainted. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Abuse in today's society is so common. One in three women have been sexually abused. I could go through the rows. One, two, abused. 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 Probably 50 women, 60 women in here today. Out of 60 women, 20 have probably been abused sexually. That's what the statistics tell us. And believe it or not, what's staggering women is one in five men have been sexually abused. And it's these painful things in our lives that we don't want to let go of because they were wrong. Jesus faced it. They were wrong. Marriages are full of abuse. I I counsel people all the time. It's verbal, it's emotional, it's physical, it's sexual. Everyone's had a friend that's betrayed you. Business partners that have cheated you. We've all faced hard things in our life. And to us as humans, they're unforgivable. But like I said, that word really is not called to exist. Because Jesus has called us to a higher standard and to a higher place in our life so that we can move forward and so that God can use us how he needs to use us. And have, you, have you ever asked God why? Wondering if the pain will ever go away. And what's funny is then after we no longer have that person in our life to blame, we start blaming God for what's happened to us. When there's a real mean devil that goes about seeking who he can destroy, We blame God for what happened to us. Everyone has a free will. Even even the bad person has a free will. And we all have a free will. We all decide what we'll do with our will. And God doesn't impose on our will. He does not. Even the bad person, he doesn't impose on their will. And and it's it's a hard society and bad things happen. I I know everybody in this room has been hurt in some way or some form in their life. I've been hurt. I know where you're at. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I, I, was, I was a young girl. And I was touching ways I shouldn't have been touched. Pastor understands. I was a young boy. I'm going to be real today. I'm one of the one in five. But I knew in my life, I couldn't move forward. 
So I forgave that person. Started out as a young youth pastor, working for a church, got fired. It's a church I work for today. Got fired, didn't know why I got fired, didn't do anything wrong. Then got put back on staff, but the whole time I was on staff, I was, I was mad at Bishop because he had, he had fired me, and this is a separate story than the abuse one, just so you know. But, but, <laughs> but you know, the, the deal is I couldn't understand why I'd been fired, and I had something in my heart, and I went through years, and I was like, God, why, why, why does it feel like we're distant? Why does there feel like there's something in my life that's not right? And he said, you've never forgiven him for when he fired you, even though he's rehired you from years ago and I had to go to him and ask for forgiveness and say I've had this in my heart all this time and I realize it and I'm sorry the tears in my eyes and then I then stuff just started happening for me because there was a freedom that happened in, in my life and All these issues add up to unnecessary weight that we just carry around over and over again. You know, it's kind of like vacuuming. Any of y'all ladies like the vacuum? Any of the guys in here like the vacuum? I just want to know who you are. You can come to my house for me. I'll tell my wife I did it. But you know, you're sitting there and you're vacuuming. Anybody vacuuming lines? I'm going to pray for y'all right now because that really doesn't matter. It's just vacuuming. You know, I, I vacuum like this. I look like a blind guy trying. <laughs> you know, I'm vacuuming everywhere. It's just getting done. Now, mowing grass, it matters, don't it, guys? The lines matter when you mow grass. I, I just want you to know that. Lines matter when you mow grass. But when you're vacuuming, it just don't matter. And, and so... And so we're vacuuming in life, and then have you ever ran in that little obstacle? You run over it with the vacuum, it comes back, and it's still there, and you're like, what in the? And, it, and it's still there, and you, you do it again, and you could pick it up. But the vacuum's designed to do that for me. And, and you go, come on, kick the vacuum a little bit, grab that. And then you pick it up and you try to place it on it to get it to suck it up. And you're, you're picking it up. You're like, because you don't want it to bend all the way over. My God, I'm 40. Why would I want to do that? And so then you pick it up and you look at it. Like, no, that vacuum should have got that. You throw it back down and you hit it again. And that's what we do with forgiveness in our lives. We're constantly picking up the trash that's happened to us and we look at it again and we throw it back down and we still deal with it instead of picking it up and giving it to God and throwing it away forevermore. We refuse to let go of it because it's just, you know, the vacuum should have got it. And we'll pick it back up and look at it again. If that don't work, we go buy a new vacuum. But we still have the same problem laying on the floor. Jesus, in the middle of all the pain, lets go of it. He teaches us it's not worth holding on to the pain. Let go of it. Just 
let it go. And I'm not going to sing that stupid song because I don't have girls. I'm not going to sing let it go. But, but you asked me, well, pastor, how, how, do, how do you forgive like Jesus? And I want to give you a couple ways to do that today. Number one, you pray for those who hurt you. Luke 6.28 says, bless those who curse you. What? Did I read that right? Bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. I feel like Matthew McConaughey right here. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. I'll pray for them. I pray they get hemorrhoids. Because they've been a pain in the butt all my life. In fact, I pray they get big hemorrhoids. I'm a name it, claim it Christian, you know, grab it, blab it. Uh, <laughs> blab it, grab it kind of guy, you know. Uh, and I'm naming it and claiming it for them. Lord, give them, give them hemorrhoids. In fact, give them hemorrhoids in their ears, Father, because they've never listened to anything I said or preached on. But that's not how Jesus designed it. That's not how we should pray. The deal is God knew as we prayed for others, it really wasn't to help them. It's to help us. In fact, they may never change, but that prayer will change you, and that's all that matters. Matthew 5.43 says this, You have heard that it was said, Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. And Jesus says this, he says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. It's a big word. Pray for those who want to do harm to you. Pray for those who are looking to kill you. Pray for those who are coming after you. Pray for those who, who have constantly done you harm your whole entire life and have no goodwill towards you. Everything they do is ill will towards you. That's who I want you to pray for. That's who I want you to bless. That's who I want you to believe for. That's who I want you. It's just like difficult people. God wants us to be the seed. He's called us to a higher level. Pray for those who persecute you. What? And can you imagine the people in Jesus' day that he's talking to when he says this? They're like, what? I mean, the Romans worshipped revenge. They invented crucifixion. They worship it. And then that day, the Jews believed in a tooth for a tooth. Hurt me, I hurt you. You know, in today's society, somebody gives you the bird, you give them two birds. And, and, and you know, peel the banana. It's, it's one of those things, you know, that's, that's what we do. And that's not how we're called to live. In fact, some of y'all were honest. That's why y'all don't have Triumph bumper stickers on your car. You got a car without bumper sticker, I'll give you the bumper sticker. And you got to think twice before how you act while you're driving. And, and, so, and so the deal is, that's how we're trained. I mean, that's the day and age Jesus lived in. These guys are persecuting people. And you mean, Jesus, I got to love the person that molested me? I got to love the person that stole your innocence or my innocence? I got to pray for that person? Pastor, why did Jesus teach this? Well, I'll tell you why. He's, he knows this is the only reason you can get the only way that you can get the poison out of your life so that you can move forward. The only way. Right attitude always precedes right action in our lives.
Your attitude is your heart. It always starts with your heart. Like I said, your prayers may not change the other person, but they will change you. Colossians 3.13 says this, Forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't want to pretend to know what you've been through. I don't. Most of your cases, I don't know what you've been through. Some of you, I do. I know it's not fair. I know it hurts. I know it's hard to do what I'm asking. I know all of that. I I love this quote by Anne Lamont. It says, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. That's what we do when we don't forgive. That's, that's how we're living when we don't forgive. Jesus knew the only way to be free is when we let go. He set the example for us. For some of you, you might be facing marriage problems. Marriage problems are real in the society we live in today. And You might say, well, pastor, I got, I got grounds for divorce, biblical grounds. I have biblical grounds for divorce. You just don't understand. I do understand. You need to pray for that person. Let me say, well, you don't know what they've done to me. It was wrong. And Well, I'd also say that you have biblical grounds for forgiveness. Uh, the problem is we get divorced, and you have biblical grounds for divorce, but you also have biblical grounds for forgiveness, and your kids are suffering because you've never forgiven them. And the deal is, we, in order to, to let it go, I'm finally letting go. Down on my knees, because I need a miracle. The only way the miracle ever happens is when you finally let go. When you finally give it away. Well, that person doesn't deserve grace. Well, I would go back to our opening scripture today. Luke 23, 32, it says, two other men, both criminals, were led out with Jesus to be executed. They were crucified right there along with him. He was crucified along with the criminals, one on his right side and one on his left side. Two men neither deserved forgiveness. But one of them said, I believe you're the Son of God. One of them made a choice. And in that choice, he never deserved forgiveness. He never deserved grace. But he became saved. And Jesus said, tonight you'll join me with my Father. Jesus already had a place prepared for him. He already knew that he would accept him. His whole life was not worthy of anything but a criminal's death. But in an instant, it all changed. In an instant, our hearts can change. It's not because of how good they are. Actually, they were horrible. It wasn't because of how good he was. It was because of how good our God is. And in order for us to be forgiven, we have to first forgive. And we have to be forgiving grace to someone that doesn't deserve it. When we set somebody free from what they've done to us, we set a prisoner free. You know who that prisoner is? Us. 
That's who the prisoner is. We set ourselves free by forgiving others. No matter what they've done to you. Well, Pastor, you just don't know they did it this way. No excuses. It's time to quit making up excuses. It's the it's time to quit picking it up and looking at it and keep trying to go over it and get rid of it. It's, it's time to finally just pick it up and walk it down to this altar and say, you know what, today, God, I give it to you. It's yours because as long as we hold on to it, we can never be free. As long as we hold on to it, he'll never take it. He won't take what you won't give him. It's just like everything else in our life. When we learn to be free and give to God in every area of our lives and put Him first in every area of our lives, it breaks forth freedom in every area of our lives. But it takes us making a step. Let's stand together today. As David comes, they're going to start playing that song today and our prayer partners are coming as I speak. Today, I want you to do what the song says. It's time to finally let go. I'm finally letting go. Some of you might need to get in your knees on the altar and just give it to God today. It's too much to hold this stuff in forevermore. The deal is this church will never be free unless its people are free. We can't be free unless we, we give it all to God. Some of you say, well, I've been hurt in a real bad way, Pastor. Well, it's time to be free in a real good way. And uh, it's time to finally let go and finally give God. Let's pray today. Father, Dad, we come to you with pain. And we come to you with some hard situations in our life. and Some of them we've even blamed you. Unfairly, we, we've said, God, you could have stopped this. You could have protected us from this. Why did I have to go through this? Why did I have to face this mountain? Why did I have to climb it, Father? I just wanted not even there. I never wanted to deal with it. It should have never existed in my life. They had no right to do what they did to me, Father. Dad, it still hurts. Dad is saying today, sons and daughters, just come as you are. Give it all to me. Turn it all over to me today. Because in my presence there is freedom. In my presence there is fullness of joy. I'll take your pain and I'll take your sorrow and I'll give you gladness. I'll give you peace. I'll give you joy. I'll give you destiny and purpose once again. I'm just waiting on you. And so today as we, we start to sing that song, I'm finally letting go. I just want to encourage you as we dismiss today. Don't walk out those back doors until first you come to the front door with Jesus. And you open up everything that he has for your life. He wants to do that for you today. Let's sing, guys. Our altars are open.
life today. Jesus is here in this altar waiting on you today.